0: वाइस रेडियो रेडियो रूम जहाँ सुन रहे हैं गपशप का प्रोग्राम है हमारी घड़ियों में बाद दोपहर की दो बज कर छे मिनिट हुआ चाहते हैं अब से लेकर तीन बजे तक आपका और मारा साथ रहेगा हमारे आज के कार्यक्रम में जिसका नाम बड़े प्यार से हमने गपशप रखा है क्योंकि आज का प्रोग्राम बड़ा स्पेशल है <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> and that special person, of course, is Dr. Minishantava. ta yeah, She's in the studio.
1: <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, Shishwaji, I live for the drum roll. I really do. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, explain it, because as you know, today we have a very, very special guest with us. extra special guest. Yes. Um, And and, uh, I'll introduce him in a minute, but I'll just say to you know, I used to complain to Shishmaji, because I'd come to this radio show, and I would say, you know, you introduced me, but I, I... feel like I deserve a drum roll or something. <laughs> and I harassed her long enough that they created this drum roll for me. <laughs> and now they, they just embarrass me with it. No, 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 we
0: don't embarrass her. In fact, everybody else is jealous.
1: <laughs> they are, I will yeah. say they are. your other regular besties. <laughs> I weaseled my way into that one. <laughs>
0: So we have with us a very special person. Would you make the introduction, please? Oh,
1: yeah. And it's a great honor to introduce Dr. Adam Davidson. Mm -hmm. Now, I had the pleasure of getting to know Dr. Davidson when he joined iScope. You know, about a couple months ago, I think it was, I was here Mm -hmm. um, with Dr. Manu talking about iScope. So for our listeners, in case anyone missed that show or doesn't remember, iScope started off as a concussion and pain clinic. Mm. And they're they're pretty much national now. They have locations I- throughout Canada. Right. But in, in B C their main location is in Surrey. Okay. And it's just this great group of uh, doctors and OTs and PTs and optometrists and vision therapists and everyone working together Mm. to help patients who had suffered from traumatic brain injuries and concussions. That's kind of how we started out Mm -hmm. and it's just grown from there and Uh, I'll let Dr. Davidson tell more about what his role is in there. But uh, I think it was just a couple of months ago, wasn't it, that we added uh, to the services that iScope provides an iron infusion clinic. Ah, before he starts talking about iron infusion, I have to ask him, Why did he become a doctor? Oh, okay, yes. So what I'll do then is I'll just say, presenting in my own drum roll, Dr. (laughs) Adam Davidson. (laughs) Dr. Davidson, most welcome in our program.
2: My goodness, that was a a fantastic introduction. Thank you very much. And it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you both for for inviting me to be a part of this. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, we're glad you were here. So I guess, Shishma, Shishma Shishmaji, that's a great way to start is to say, find out a little bit about you and what motivated you to get
2: get into medicine to begin with? So it's a a good question. And it's probably an answer that's not going to be as easy as you maybe think it's going to be. But I was a bit cliched in that my dad is a physician. He was an orthopedic surgeon. And I kind of Growing up, just thought that that's just what I would do, too. Yes. You know, the I was the firstborn son, and I'd follow my dad, and and that's sort of the, the path that I would go without, frankly, thinking too much about it. It was just, now, this is what I'm going to do.
1: I'm going to interrupt and say that's very Indian of you. It's that- very South Asian. There?
2: Our listeners right now are
1: all applauding you yeah. for following your father's footsteps but, into
2: medicine. For sure, for sure. And so I, 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 I was lucky enough. I got into med school, and then I'm in med school, and I this is actually really hard, and I don't know if I'm cut out for this, and I wasn't sure, so I actually took a year off in in the middle of med school, and... Where
1: did you go to med school? So
2: I went to med school at UBC. Nice,
1: okay. So
2: I took a year off. I'd never traveled or done anything in between undergrad and med school, and so I took a year off, did nothing academic, just did lots of physical stuff outside, and kind of finally did the soul searching to decide what I wanted to do, and so I... After that year away, I realized, actually, no, you know what? I think this is what I want to do. Wow. And, and I How came back. How
1: unusual is that? You know, you hear about people doing that kind of uh, taking the year off before they mm-hmm. get into their professional program. But this is the first time I've heard of it yeah. in a professional program. You,
2: you can imagine what my dad would have thought when oh. I told him that I was taking a year off. It was... Uh, <laughs>
1: No, but, you know, how wonderful that you did take that time to confirm that this really is the path you want to be yeah. on.
2: Yeah, no, it was really important for me. And then when you came I, came, I did it after second year of med school. And okay. as you probably know, third year is when you start in the hospitals. Yes. And so yes. I came back and I... We start in the hospital, and I start seeing patients and doing quote unquote real medicine, right. and I was like, "Oh, okay, I, this is, is. I, I, yeah, I, yes. I love this." So This is something I want to yeah. do. Yeah, that's so cool. that was that was my route. Oh,
1: that's yeah. brilliant! That's brilliant. And so now your your uh, day job, as we call it, is actually as an emergency room physician. That's correct.
2: correct. Yep. So I'm, a, I'm an ER doctor at Lionsgate Hospital in North Vancouver. I've been doing that since. 2010. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And and then as you alluded to, over the last five to six years, we've been starting to do uh, supervised medical infusions for patients as outpatients and with a special uh, focus on IV iron. And that's, that's about half of my time now. And then the other half is in the hospital.
0: Wow. Yeah. That, the, now that brings us to the iron. Yes. Why iron? Why is iron so important?
2: Yeah, where do, we, where do you want me to start? You know, so, so, so iron, iron is, it's, it's interesting. I think it's something that we take for granted. Uh, it's, it's one of the, the absolute necessities that we need in our body that our body can't produce itself. And so for most of us, we get it from our diet. So it's iron that's in the earth that we either eat from plants or we eat the animals that eat the plants. And that's how we get our iron, but we need it for our, the biggest thing and the most sort of well-known function is our red blood cells. So iron is what carries oxygen in our blood from our lungs to all of our tissues that need it. And so if you are low on iron and your blood counts then subsequently drop, it means you're not going to get enough oxygen to the areas that you need and you have a whole bunch of symptoms that result from that. But there's about 180 other reactions in our body that iron is used for outside of What we call hemoglobin or our red blood cells and this is something that's not nearly as well known but you kind of need it for anything that your body uses oxygen for Mm. you need iron Mm. yeah
1: wow you know um it's really interesting because we talk about how you mentioned how you can't get iron you don't make it naturally you have to get it from an external source so the fact that there are so many Um, diet issues in the world right now, Mm -hmm. including, you know, as we get older, fad diets where people are changing what they're eating to try and lose weight, calorie reduction, or if you take a look at fast foods and processed foods and a lot of kids, you know, one Mm. of the biggest frustrations I have at my job is really trying to get children to understand how important it is to eat those fresh fruits and veggies and real meals Mm -hmm. instead of just those french fries and burgers (laughs) um and so would you say that iron deficiency is on the rise now because our diet isn't as good as it used to be
2: yeah it's a it's a very good point and and if you think about it especially in a country like canada a very wealthy country uh, where, where calories or access to calories is, is abundant. You know, right. there's no shortage of, of calories around right. us these days. The fact that iron deficiency is as prevalent as it is, I think speaks to what you just mentioned, that the quality of the food that we eat is not what it used to be, whether because it's processed or synthetic, but also too things like mass farming, right. genetically modified fruits and vegetables, depletion of the soil. All of these things are contributing to what's frankly an epidemic, especially in young women, of iron deficiency, despite the fact that we are in such a wealthy, abundant country.
1: Right. And would it make a difference that, you know, I know a lot of, especially in the South Asian community, a lot of people choose vegetarian diets. Mm-hmm. So does that start, do you see more iron deficiency in South Asians, or is that something that you were not sure of yet?
2: Oh, no, we, you're, we definitely see more really? iron deficiency in South Asians. And um, it, it's one of the highest... Popul- incidents in populations in the, in the world actually and wow. um, we
1: always like to be number 1 yeah. <laughs> Well, you know heart disease number yes.
0: 1 yes arthritis number
1: 1 right yeah now yeah. iron deficiency now, number 1 now you mentioned heart disease and mm-hmm. you talked about how iron plays a big role in many body functions it plays a role in heart too doesn't it
2: it does it does more more because um the heart is our primary it's it's the way that we mm. get oxygen from our lungs to the rest of our body right and if you can imagine if your blood doesn't hold as much oxygen as it should your heart is going to have to work that much harder to try and get the oxygen to where it needs to go and so if you've got a heart that's a little bit weaker or if it's had some issues in the past and you're putting more stress on it then, then you can get into trouble. Wow. Mm. Fascinating.
1: Yeah. So mm. interesting. So how would someone know that they have iron deficiency? What are some of the, the common symptoms?
2: So there's, there's, there's two things here, and they're sort of on a spectrum, and sometimes people aren't aware of the difference. So there's an iron deficiency, and then there's anemia. Yes. And, yes. And so there's two different things. They are. They are. So anemia is when your red blood cell count is, is low. The most common cause worldwide of anemia is iron deficiency, but you can be anemic without being iron deficient and probably a bit more importantly for this conversation, you can be iron deficient without being anemic. It usually, it follows a, a course where uh, you develop iron deficiency first, then you don't have enough to, to, to remake new blood cells and if that lasts long enough, then then your, your, new, your blood cell count goes down and you become anemic. If you're iron deficient, but you're not yet anemic, by far the most common symptom is fatigue.
0: Wow. Oh. And
2: we're not talking shortness of breath fatigue, but we're talking about, I just can't get myself off the couch at 3 p.m. I just want to have a nap. Yes. You feel like you're kind of walking through quicksand. So fatigue is the number one symptom by far of iron deficiency. There's a couple of others that are, that are associated with it as well, that, which are a little bit less known. So one is hair thinning okay yeah so as if you're iron deficient your hair can start to, to fall out or become more brittle right. um, restless legs at night which is a uh, a symptom you? where you're trying to sleep but you just kind of feel like you can't get comfortable and you're always needing to shift positions mm. and, and, and move around and then mood so iron is important you need iron to make serotonin and dopamine so these are the two big heavy hitters in our brain that control things like concentration and our mood And if your iron levels are low, then that can exacerbate or result in symptoms of anxiety, low mood, that kind of thing.
1: Interesting. Fascinating. I want to interject here with just a quick personal story, Um, Shishamaji. I don't know. I I don't think I ever told you this either. When I was in, I remember it was in grade eight Mm. and I went through this period where I would come home from school, get home about 3.30 and I was just done for. I was exhausted and I would just kind of go to my room and just kind of sit there and Read a book, and and you know I was an I was a good student, but I was just kind of really done. And my mom came to me and said, "We need to take you to the doctor because this mm. you're so tired. You're," so, and I kind of got irritated. And I'm mm. like, you know, there's I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm just, you know, like you I'm mean, a teenager. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm supposed to be a brooding teenager, mom. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. But thankfully, you know, she was still uh, the boss, and she took me to the the doctor, and I had. Extremely low iron, and I wow. had become anemic by that point. And so, for all of our listeners out there, you know these symptoms. Uh, if there's, you know, a couple of big take homes that we're going to go over today, I think one of the big ones is these symptoms. Yep. If you or your child, if you're seeing, you know, my mom knew I was an energetic person. Right. I was a go-go, and so she knew this didn't this didn't fit. No. So if you are feeling exhausted, if you are noticing hair thinning, if you're getting that restless leg feeling at night, these are your red flags that you know, at, and we're going to talk about what to do with them, I think, coming up after the break. Right. Um, but those are the red flags. And if you have them or also in your kids, because I think especially girls, as they go into those teenage years, mm. they are a big risk for this as well. Good point to break.
0: Wonderful. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's take a short commercial break. Uh, Dr. Adam Davidson and Dr. Minirandava are both here in the studios. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. Spice Radio or Radio Room Jimson, we have a program in our studios. Mein Dr. Adam Davidson, who is an eye scope, and Dr. Minirandhava, who is an optometrist. And in we have to about iron deficiency. Ke mein baat so, you were talking about iron deficiency. So, one of the symptoms is being lethargic. Um, any other symptoms apart from hair falling and being lethargic?
2: Yeah, so those those symptoms that I was telling you about are are the classic symptoms of iron deficiency mm. itself. Once you become iron deficient with anemia, then the symptoms become quite magnified, and and that's when you can get short of breath just going up a a single flight of stairs, for example, ah. or you can get dizzy when you go from from sitting to standing. You feel lightheaded. You become pale. Those are those are more of the classic anemia symptoms that we that we're more familiar with in the medical community and and those those are when they can really start to take a toll on your your day-to-day life
0: we've got a caller on the line wonderful line four how are you doing i'm good thank you so i have a question for the doctor
2: please
3: um yeah so what is the relation between hemoglobin and ferritin levels yeah let's say the hemoglobin is low and the ferritin is normal Oh, what does that mean?
2: A, yeah, it's a fantastic question. So ferritin is is the the main test that we use to, to look at somebody's total body iron levels. And so ferritin itself, though, it's a, it's a protein, and it's the protein that our body binds iron to to store it for future use. And so for the vast majority of patients, if you become iron deficient, your ferritin levels will drop. And for... About 90 to 95% of people, this is the test that we use to to check on, on their iron levels. So if you have a low hemoglobin, that that is anemic. You're anemic. And then the key from there is to determine, okay, well, why are you anemic? And especially if you're a, a woman who's between puberty and menopause, one of the first things that we want to do is check your iron levels. And so if you have a history and it suggests that you might be low on iron either because of dietary restrictions or you have heavy heavy periods for example and your ferritin is normal and that doesn't seem yeah. to fit then then there's another test that you can do because in about five to ten percent of patients the ferritin can be falsely high and so there's another test that we do in that situation and it's called a transferrin saturation or an iron saturation and this is a okay. test that we use as a backup to tell, okay, does this person actually truly have enough iron in their system, or are they low, like we suspect they are? Oh,
3: okay. Yeah. And what what foods would you recommend for, uh, like, a vegetarian person or a plant-based
2: diet? You know? Yeah, very good question. So part of the, the the vegetarian question becomes, do you eat fish or poultry, or because those those are higher high iron foods in their own right. But if but if it's a strictly vegetarian diet. Then anything mm-hmm. anything green is going to be good for your iron consumption. In addition to uh, lentils, uh, lentils and beans, all those are all high iron. But one of the things, if you're a vegetarian, and this is part of the reason why it's an issue in the South Asian community, is that you need to consume about three times as much iron through a vegetarian diet as you do, for example. A, compared to if you ate red meat, because our body absorbs iron from red meat more easily. Mm. So mm-hmm. even even though you're, you're conscious of it and you're working at it, 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 is, it does take extra work to make sure you get enough iron. And so it's you're, you're asking fantastic questions. And the good news now, especially with the ease of Dr. Google, you can find lots of, <laughs> of really good online sources now for vegetarian-based iron.
1: All right. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Doctor. Wonderful questions.
2: Thank you, Colin.
0: Thank you.
1: You know, Shishmati, I, I actually want to jump ahead and um, address a, something about how to increase iron in our diet or how to increase the, our iron levels. But before I do that, um, perhaps it's a good idea to give out our phone number if any of our listeners yes. have any questions. Very good right? Point. So why don't we go ahead and do that?
0: I thought, you know, the first time uh, Dr. Davidson is here that maybe, you know, we'll just take all his time. But I want to give our telephone <laughs> number out. It's six oh four. 280-1200 or 604- 299-8863 you can dial either one of those two numbers and if you are outside of the lower mainland it's 1800 eight hundred.
1: 299-8863. So definitely do give us a call if you do have some questions about iron and how it works in our body, or if you have any questions about anemia or anything in that realm. And if you want to just listen to this program and then um, get the information, we'll give you a number at the end of where you can call to book an appointment to get more information that way as well. But, you know, Dr. Davidson, she was asking, how do you increase, as a vegetarian, um, or even not as a vegetarian. How can we increase the iron in our body? And as someone who has dealt with this personally in the past, I can I can say from experience that it's extremely extremely hard to do sometimes. It is. And so, w- what other option is there for us if I am suffering from low iron and getting uh, getting it through my diet isn't working? are there any other options for me?
2: Very good question. And and so the, the first line of treatment for, for an iron deficiency, if diet changes on their own aren't enough, is to try oral iron supplements. And I imagine this is familiar to many of your listeners, but there are uh, a plethora of iron options out there. And unfortunately, all of them are associated with side effects, which makes it hard. So Iron is hard on our stomachs if you're taking the supplements and they can cause symptoms like bloating and constipation. But using a couple of tricks and and by being diligent, often it can be enough to to boost those levels. So in general, oral iron supplements would be the first line of treatment. And if those supplements don't work, either because they cause too many side effects or they just frankly aren't boosting your levels after despite trying, trying diligently, then IV iron is the next step or the next option.
1: So that's the infusion clinics you were talking about. Correct. Can you tell us more about those infusion clinics and how they how they how they work?
2: Sure yeah so when you work as an eMERGE physician one of the things when you're there you realize that the emergency department is the last resort for lots of patients when they're feeling desperate or they don't think they have any other options and one of the things that I was noticing even in North Vancouver was we were seeing more and more patients showing up to the emergency department asking or begging to get IV iron because the wait times to go through the normal channels were, were taking too long. And I'm going to be the first to admit as an emergency physician, typically iron and iron metabolism isn't no. sort of part of our expertise. But what we are good at is, is, is treating things through the IV route and, and dealing with... Allergic reactions, and I, I I looked up iron and I thought, well, this is something that I I can I can give and I can deal with issues should they arise, and maybe maybe there's a need for this out there to right. give people an option because obviously coming into the emergency department isn't isn't really an appropriate yeah. way to get it, and so we started in Vancouver with my with my and we started a clinic called Mainline Wellness, and initially it was in Vancouver, and again I didn't really know how it was going to go, but it was fascinating without really much advertising, right. word started to get out. And, and we started getting uh, referrals coming in quite quickly. And wow. I was like, wow, I can't believe how big of an issue much this of is. How there is for and, it. And as a male who's never had iron deficiency, I don't think I ever appreciated before we started doing this mm. just how common it is and how much it affects people. And so it's been a really satisfying part of my practice now to, to do this and see the difference that it makes for people. Right. Yeah.
0: Just a um, um, side question to this. Uh, taking oral um, iron pills has a side effect. What about IV? Uh, is there a side effect for that too?
2: Very good question. So anytime you get anything through an IV route, there's always, uh, in theory, uh, mm. a risk of having some, some side effects for that. That being said, IV iron in general is very, very safe. Because you're going through the IV route and you're not taking it by mouth, you don't tend to have any of those GI or gut side effects that okay. you get with the oral supplements. Which is why a lot of the patients that are referred to us are referred precisely because the side effects are too mm-hmm. tough with mm-hmm. the oral iron.
1: Well, I was going to say, now do you have to um, do you have to first? fail the nutritional attempt and the oral (laughs) attempt before you can go for the IV attempt? Or can you say, listen, you know, my daughter, uh, there's no way I'm, and I'm thinking about the kids here sometimes because you can do the infusions for children as well, right? Or uh, let's use another example, pregnant women who, you know, sometimes they can't keep food down um, because I think iron deficiency is sometimes more common in, Mm -hmm. in, in pregnant women. Um, and, you know, is swallowing a pill, they're already having so many issues, can they just jump the gun and just go straight to infusions, or is there any downside to doing that?
2: So, again, wonderful question. So, up until we started our clinic, the the only place you could get IV iron in the lower mainland was in the hospitals, and the hospitals, as you know, as we all know, they're, they're swamped and, and backed up, and so there's fairly strict criteria in order to be able to qualify or to, to get in for IV iron. Right. And, and so many times patients did need to kind of go through all these steps that you were talking about, but right. there is a large group of patients for whom oral iron just isn't going to work. Right. Or because of uh, severe symptoms or a timed, you know, a deadline, it's just not not appropriate and those patients frankly IV iron would be the first choice okay the difficulty has just always been access right Yeah.
1: Now, okay, talking about access and these infusion clinics, where are these clinics located now? So uh, I know iScope has a couple of different locations. Mm. Um, Where can they go to, if we don't want to go to the hospital, you mentioned, um, we know we have iScope and your other clinic is called?
2: So it's Mainline Wellness. Mainline Wellness.
1: So if we look at those clinics, where are they located?
2: Yeah, so our our original clinic is in False Creek in Vancouver, sort of halfway between VGH and St. Paul's, and then... Our second clinic, which we just opened in partnership with with iScope, like you mentioned, is in the City Center 2 building right across from Surrey Memorial Hospital.
1: Oh, wow. So it's centrally located there.
2: Yeah. And so uh, interestingly, the the Jim Pattison outpatient clinic, which is where the Fraser Health region does most of its iron infusions, is the biggest backlog in the province, wow! And so Surrey, there's a there's a huge need for for further services, and so that's why why we open there.
1: Okay, so let's say we have um, a listener now who is battling iron deficiency or anemia, and is uh, curious about this. How would they go about getting? Do they need a referral to come see you?
2: They do, yeah, and so. Uh, because I, iron, despite being safe, as I told you, but if it's used inappropriately, it can cause problems. And so we need to know, one, that your primary care or your, your main health care provider is aware of, of what's happening, but we also need to know that, that the iron deficiency has been confirmed. And so it is a referral-based process, but your family doctor, your midwife, your specialist can refer to us, and we just need recent blood work, and they fax it to us, and you can get in typically within a week.
1: Wow, so that's huge. Now, one thing I want to just bring up here, though, is how many times do um, I got to be careful how I word this? I don't want to say misdiagnosed or missed. You know, I feel like there is just because our healthcare system is so overwhelmed, and family doctors are hard to come by these days. You know, I've just lost mine, and I'm I'm devastated. Mm. Um, And so it's not, we don't have access like we did in the past to a family doctor who was always the one that we can go to, to count Mm. on to make sure that they're, you know, double checking everything with our overall Mm -hmm. health. So I think quite often patients and our listeners may not even know Mm. that they have an iron deficiency. Do you feel that is an issue right now?
2: It is, I think a huge, huge issue. And, and I think there's a bunch of reasons for this, but the the test as we talked about with after your callers question before the main test to see if you're iron deficient is to get a a ferritin level checked and this is a a simple blood test that costs in terms of healthcare dollars pennies wow it's non-invasive besides the the initial little blood blood poke and if you can catch this early enough it's very easily and quickly treatable and unfortunately the medical community has I believe, has iron deficiency backwards. So my teaching, and I think the practice still of a bunch of, of us in the in the medical community, are that we, we wait until we see a patient is anemic. Nice. And then, only then, do we go and look to see if they're iron deficient. And the problem is, what we know with iron deficiency anemia is that if it's gone to the point where a patient's already anemic, they've likely been iron deficient and suffering from symptoms for months, if not years. Yeah. Especially if a patient has had kids. And so... Given that this test is cheap, that it's easy, I personally believe that women, once they've gone through puberty, should probably have a ferritin done once a year.
1: That's huge. That's huge. That so, so you said um, women, once they're done with puberty?
2: Once they've gone through puberty Once and they're starting to have regular cycles because that's a big, it's the reason why iron deficiency is so much more common in women than men is because they have monthly blood loss that men don't have and pregnancy, both of which are real drivers of, of iron levels going low. Right,
1: and in our South Asian community, vegetarian diets. So three things against them. Right. So, there you go. Yes.
2: <laughs> There's right. another thing too. So, so with the South Asian community in particular, it's always been sort of, assumed that the main reason why iron deficiency was so prevalent was because there's such a high uh, prevalence of vegetarians. Right. But we know now that it's more than that. They've done studies now that compared vegetarians from European backgrounds to vegetarians from South Asian backgrounds, so they've controlled for the diet, and iron deficiency is still much more common. Wow. And what now that we can do genetic testing, we've actually been able to determine that there is a predisposition genetically wow. in South Asians to be iron deficient. That and th-
1: is terrible! <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know. <laughs> I had no idea, that yeah. is fascinating. That interesting? Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. And,
2: and, and what these genetic differences, where they tend to affect things is absorbing iron from the gut mm. into the bloodstream, right. which is why, and again, I'm imagining a lot of your listeners may appreciate this, even when they start taking oral supplements, it still doesn't really affect their levels very much not absorbing because it. they just can't. And it's right. not their fault. It's not that they've done anything wrong. That's just the case.
0: All I'm right. going to take a short break so that I can drink some water. <laughs> and so can you. Uh, let's take a short break and give the telephone number out again. 604-280-1200, 604-299-8863. If you have any questions for Dr. Davidson or Dr. vinirandava please give us a call. We're talking about iron deficiency. There's so many questions. My God. Spice Radio, Radio Room Jimson, Ring Up Shopka program. And Dr. Mini And Dr. Adam Davidson. And we're talking about iron deficiency. Someone just called and gave me the question. And the question is quite interesting. So I'll ask you anyway. Um, she said uh, she didn't want to call and give the question herself. She said she took iron tablets but the aftermath of that was a little not great number one the color of her number two or, or <laughs> i should use the word poo was uh, dark and uh, number two it was very explosive so was that normal was that a okay or is this what happens
2: I, again i i admi- i appreciate your listener asking the question because i'm sure this is applying to lots of people out there but what what you just described or your listener just described is very very common and Mm. the oral iron is the the it's known to cause a a lot of different GI symptoms but cramping constipation are are probably two of the most the most common ones Mm -hmm. for sure and it's a reason why the vast majority of patients end up not taking the oral supplements like they've been prescribed because they just make them feel too miserable
1: And I think that's a big problem is so many people stop taking iron supplements. Mm. You know, I know I did. I took them for a while. I felt better. But then the constipation, the Mm. stomach cramps, the bloating. And I was a teenager at that time. And when I was pregnant, same thing. You know, Mm. I'm already dealing with so much. Um, And and you made an interesting comment during the, the commercial break about how there's this, because it happens to a lot of women, and we tend to... Suffer in salience or, or soldier through it, and just say, "Well, you know what? I don't have time to worry about it," and mm. you just ignore it, and you, you, and the problem becomes worse. Then, right? It does. It That's does. why these infusion clinics are a game changer. Oh, for sure. Now, um, you had mentioned that there might be some tips that women, or that not just women, that anyone can use when they have, uh, if they are taking the pills.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so, when you when you buy iron, it typically you just get it over the counter, and so you don't get a lot of instruction or direction and so i'm going to give a few pointers out there to hopefully try and make it a little bit more manageable and a little bit more effective so um first and this is the biggest one ivy iron should be i mean sorry oral iron should be taken at most every second day so wow. you actually get just as good a result if not better results taking it every second day than you do taking it daily hmm. and so right away just by doing this you're going to cut the cost in half of these oral supplements, which yeah. which aren't cheap.
0: They're very expensive.
2: And and two, you're gonna reduce the potential for side effects by half mm-hmm. as well so that's a big one that's and a and game
1: changer I sure. did not know this and i've had issues with this my whole life and
2: it frustrates me because this research has been out for a long time wow. now and i don't understand why it hasn't been been put out there so that's the that's a big one the other is that you only want to take iron at one time a day you don't want to take it morning and evening just take it in the morning mm. and things that are acidic so vitamin c or orange juice they actually help your body absorb the iron dairy and caffeine decrease the body's ability to absorb iron so you don't want to take your iron supplement with a morning coffee or with milk or yogurt etc having it with a glass of orange juice or a tablet of vitamin C makes a big difference as well so these are some some easy pointers that can hopefully make this a little bit easier for your listeners
1: amazing amazing you were involved in some research a while ago weren't you can you tell us about that
2: yeah so it wasn't it wasn't really research per se but again I've learned so much by doing this clinic as an emergency physician, speaking to to what are predominantly female patients. I've just been blown away not only by how by how tough and stoic they are, but but also it, it blows me away that it hasn't been easier or or more of an it hasn't been more of a priority to get them treated. Especially right. these are we're often talking women in the primes of their lives, yes. their moms, their working, et cetera. I just don't understand, I couldn't understand why something so common wasn't being addressed. And so we, we, we did a, what's called a quality improvement project to, to bring patients together to, to one, we wanted to know what were the main barriers to getting their iron deficiency treated. And I had actually assumed that before we went into this that the biggest issues were going to be uh, cost, Wow. Or wait times to get into the hospital, right. but what came out from this, the, and again I I thank all of our volunteers for for their time with with this project, was that they struggled to have their symptoms acknowledged as a real issue.
1: Wow! Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! That,
2: that yeah, they they felt like their symptoms were being minimized, or that they were being told they were they were a bit crazy for for feeling wow. that way, and that was wow. really surprising to oh, me. Oh,
1: that that hits hard. You know, um, Shishmaji, as you know, a couple years ago, I got very, very sick yeah. with uh, I had uh, diagnosed with an autoimmune called pemphigus. Mm. And so, it, what was interesting to me is because I, my main symptom was really, I became tired. Mm. And the first thing that I was told when I went to see and this, this was, you know, uh, was that I, they thought I was dealing with some depression mm. because I was a Busy mom with two Mm. kids, and I had a job, and 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 I just looked at them, and I just said, "I'm the happiest person I know. Like (laughs) I am nowhere near depressed. I am tired, and I actually thought it was my anemia that was coming back, and my Mm. iron deficiency. But it was interesting to me, with everything that I know about medicine, with my background, with my own personal health history background, with anemia and iron deficiency, that I had to fight. And I had to say to the doctor, "I don't. I'm not depressed. Can you please check my iron?" And that was really crazy to me. So if I experienced that, and it was in my medical history. I can't imagine.
2: Uh, again, uh, you're, you're bang on, and, and fortunately, you did have the medical background to say, "No, yeah. I'm going to self advocate here. This isn't this isn't a depression." Right. And and a lot of our patients, again, have, have come to us because they have been strong and self self-advocated and and what's come out though from this project was that we clearly need to advocate on behalf of women as well because you you have to think that for every woman like yourself who was able to say no this is not true right. if you don't have a medical background or you're not yeah. you, you, just you, quietly, know, you just you just you yeah. just okay I guess you're right and you yeah. and you carry on and it's it's not fair to them
1: right
0: it's, we've got a caller on the line uh, line four thank you for calling how are you doing good thank you uh, I wanted to ask. The doctor uh, can you elaborate
3: something on hemoglobin q india uh, i am an, mostly anemic i was and i was told that you have hemoglobin q india which is going to what is you know, you're going to be slightly anemic all your
2: life and is S- it so so i feel and and again it depends on on the underlying cause of your anemia but but this could be this could be a couple of things so There's something, there's a a genetic issue called thalassemia, which, Mm -hmm. which is a hemoglobin, a, a genetic issue with your hemoglobin that causes it to not last as long. And so you can, you can become anemic in that situation, even if you have enough iron. And so if that's the case for you then then your your care provider is is likely right there's likely always going to be a, a, an element of slight anemia for no, you No
3: no that's not not thalassemia but q india
2: Yeah and I and I it's have a, to admit, I'm, it's I'm,
3: a little variant of hemoglobin and uh, they I was told that clinically you're not going to be in any problem but it's just going to be a lightly anemic
2: yeah, and so if it's if it's what we call a hemoglobinopathy or a, a slight disorder of the hemoglobin, then yes, you're you're likely going to be mildly anemic, and and unfortunately that's one of the issues where no matter how much iron you 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 take or how how high your levels are, it won't it won't build build it up back to the full full normal range. But it's always amazing how well patients with these are able to function, even with their levels mm-hmm. slightly low. Right. Yeah. Have Have they measured your iron? Have Have, have you ever had your iron measured?
3: Uh, the hemoglobin remains between eleven and
2: twelve. But, with but did they? Did your physician? Did you ever che- get a ferritin checked? No. So that's something to look into because they can often go together. And if you are mm-hmm. low in iron, then it's, then it's very likely that replacing that or, or boosting that back up will make you feel better. Even if it won't go all the way back to normal, it could still make a, mm-hmm. make a difference. And it's, again, like I mentioned before, it's so easy to, to get checked. It might be something worth mm-hmm. checking out for you.
1: Okay. Thank
2: you. My pleasure.
1: Thank you. We've talked a lot about how this is a female problem. Is it non-existent in men?
2: Uh, no, it, it definitely does exist in men as well. The, the male patients that come to our clinic, the, the most common underlying cause for them would be something called inflammatory bowel disease. Hmm. And this includes illnesses like Crohn's or ulcerative mm-hmm. colitis. And so they have uh, inflammation in their gut that one, uh, keeps them from being able to absorb iron, and two, can often have a lot of low grade blood blood loss. Got
1: it. And hmm. so
2: of our male patients, th- that's probably the most common group. Interestingly, and this this is for men and women, but in males it's a higher proportion. And part of the reason why we always want a referral from your care provider, cancer can cause low iron, and so. What we want to make sure and what we always want to know, especially, again, because it's a higher proportion in men, that if you have an iron deficiency and you're anemic, we want to make sure that you've been investigated and had things looked into to make sure that the cause isn't from an undiagnosed cancer. Right. Mm. And so part of the reason we want to make sure, yeah, that the care providers know is that is that something doesn't slip through the cracks.
1: Got it. Yeah. Got it. Now, can we, you know... When we're uh, talking about men who have iron deficiency, you've got the ones that have um, uh, underlying conditions. Could a healthy male let's let's talk about South Asian because we say it's more common in the South Asian community? Is it unheard of for a completely otherwise healthy male who is South Asian because we have the predisposition for this disease to still have iron deficiency and anemia?
2: It, it is exactly, okay. and and actually in our clinic, and we've done over several thousand infusions, I would say the only male patients who otherwise are healthy that have come in have been South Asian oh males. Oh my
1: goodness, look at that. Isn't that interesting? Number mm. one in everything. <laughs> <laughs> We're with pride. Mm. <laughs> wow, that's okay. So so if uh, now, would the symptoms be similar for a healthy male who has iron deficiency? Would they have the same symptoms as a, a healthy female who has iron deficiency?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the symptoms themselves are are universal sort of across both right. men and women.
1: Okay. And so then, you know, I want to review those symptoms again. And as we're I'm looking at the clock and seeing that somehow we're already approaching the end of our program. So yes. I just want to kind of do a wrap up for our listeners and say, if you have any of the you your child Mm -hmm. or your spouse or you know because sometimes um we need our spouse to be the one to say you're you're being more cranky you're so tired you should go get your ferritin tested so the symptoms again are
2: so number one fatigue for sure Mm. fatigue and then the other ones would be uh, difficulty concentrating or some low mood symptoms either an increase in anxiety or some depressive symptoms uh, thinning hair or hair, and again, especially our female patients, we'll just say they're noticing it in the shower, right. for example. Um, restless legs, restless legs at night, or sleep disturbance are, are other common ones. And and I again, I want to say, especially for the the female listeners out there, do advocate for yourself on this. It's so easy, especially if you've got young ones at home to to put your needs second. But this is something that's very easily tested, and especially if it's caught early enough, very easily treated. So please, please. Okay.
1: Yeah. No, and that's huge. So now let's say I am this lady at home and I am exhausted all the time. What would my next step be? How, what do I say to my family doctor?
0: Or if you have a family
1: doctor. Or yeah. the walk in, can I go to a walk in and request
2: this? You, to, you can for sure. And again, it's, it's literally a little tick box on the Life Labs form. Mm.
1: And what is it that they need to be? Ferritin, so
2: ferritin. so the, 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 the two main tests that our patients get is, one is called a CBC, or a complete blood count. It's probably the most common blood test that's done out there. And that's what gives us your hemoglobin level. And then ferritin is the one that most patients use to check their iron levels. Perfect, yeah. okay.
1: So now I've done that test, and now it's come back as, well, look at that, I do have some iron deficiency. And so now, uh, you know, there's the diet, there's the supplements that have some of these Mm -hmm. side effects. And for whatever reason, the diet isn't an option. I'm pregnant or my child won't take the food and Mm -hmm. the supplements, the bloating, the cramping. It's not something I can do. How do I now get to see, get an infusion treatment. And how successful is that infusion treatment?
2: Very good question. So you can imagine that in, as a medical doctor, I very, very rarely am comfortable saying that something is going to work. Right. Mm. Ivy iron is, is going to work. Right. And, and there's, a, there's some, with the newer iron formulations that are out there now, you can often get it, get it fully treated with one, one infusion takes about 45 to 50 minutes. And the good thing about iron, because it's so easily testable, we always give our patients a, a requisition for follow-up blood work afterwards. And so, of course, the most important thing is that they physically feel better, but then they're also going to get the blood test after that shows them where where their new levels are, which is Does always great.
0: Does this cost any money to the patient?
2: That's a very good question too. And it's really important that your listeners know this. So Getting in through the hospitals, through the Jim Pattison Center, or through the hospital medical daycare does not cost patients any money. Unfortunately, at the moment, having to come to our clinic, it is not covered by the public healthcare, which is really frustrating, and so, uh, either through secondary insurance, your extended medical benefits, or user pay, we're currently lobbying the government to mm. to fund this mm. because we think it's such an important health issue. But at the moment, unfortunately, it's not it's not covered.
1: Yeah, but if it gets you better, now how long would one infusion treatment typically last?
2: So it's probably the most common question we get when patients come, and that depends on the on the underlying reason for the for the low iron in the first place. Right. So. Uh, for patients that have heavy, heavy periods, for example, sometimes patients may need to come a couple of times a year to get to get their levels topped back up. But if it's, if it's, for example, postpartum, you had some bleeding in, in pregnancy and, and then now everything's settled, it's very likely it could be a, a one and done. And I'd say about 50% of our patients don't have to come back.
1: And I'll say, I've had an iron infusion when I was, mm. you know, not well. And I have been good since. And so that's, it's been, it's been a game changer, mm. um, you know, as a busy mom, and as a busy person to have my energy back up to where I oh, needed yeah. to be. It was, and I went through a private clinic and, you know, money well spent because so, it gave me my life back. So
0: let me ask you the the dollar figure then. And how much does, if someone came to your clinic, how much would it cost for them get one treatment done
2: yeah so there's there's two costs one is for the medication itself which is handled through a pharmacy where we don't we don't sell the iron ourselves and so if you don't have health or a drug plan through your health insurance or you don't have PharmaCare coverage then the standard dose is of what we call monoferric iron which is what most of our patients get is a thousand milligrams mm-hmm. it's a five hundred dollars okay so it's not not but most
1: cheap. insurance companies will would, cover, that. cover that almost
2: all extended drug plans will help, will cover that exactly and then our clinic fee for for the monopharic iron is a $235 cost and that's that includes the coverage for the physician on site and the nurse and everything and the good news with it is that like i said most often it's a one it's a one and done right
1: now, is there... Let's give out some phone numbers because the clock is ticking awfully fast today, Shishmaji. It is, it is. My goodness. You're having it's, fun. That's I'm having... Fun. To, oh, I'm, I'm learning so much. I love this. So if any of our listeners ha- want to gain more information, yes. I'm going to give you the number for iScope first. And yes. this is the iScope Pain and Concussion Clinic. You would have to ask specifically about your iron, so when you right. give give when you call, ask them about the iron infusion clinic. The number there is 604-900-7007, okay? And if and people then, haven't
0: been able to write this down, you can call later on and we'll keep the number
2: here. As
1: yeah, well. and then Dr. Davison, is there another number where they can get some information if yeah. they wanted?
2: Yeah, so on both the iScope and then our, our own website, so at mainlinewellness.ca, is both phone numbers, but also the referral forms that Perfect. can be downloaded or just filled out right on on online, and there's the options for Surrey and Vancouver, et cetera, all all there.
1: Wonderful, Perfect. wonderful. Well, thank you so very much. This was like eye opening for me, and I, I I thought I knew a lot going in. <laughs> I I knew nothing, so I have learned a lot. Oh,
2: it was my and, absolute pleasure. Thank and you. And isn't both.
1: it interesting that you know you're here talking about this today? I have dealt with iron deficiency. Shishmaji, you have mentioned, you have dealt with it. Yes. Your sister has, my sister has. So in just this room of yes. us four Indian, you know, there's it's that common. It is. So to our listeners, please, if you haven't ever had your ferritin tested, take that first step. Just go mm-hmm. get a requisition and get your ferritin levels evaluated.
0: Lovely. Thank you so very much. Thank you. And thank you, you Doctor Davis. Lovely my doctor pleasure. today. Lovely to meet you.
2: you. You as well. This is my first time on radio like this and, and you were both last. fantastic. <laughs> exactly.
0: With that we come to the end of our show.